Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. All right, if you have your Bibles, y'all go ahead and grab those and turn with me today to uh, Psalm 46. Psalm 46. I know you thought I said Matthew 18. If you turn there out of habit, that's a good place to be too, but that's not where we're going today. Psalm 46 in verse 1. So we have been in a, a series called Humility, the Key to Childlike Faith. So we've been, we've been in this series for about eight weeks, um, and there was really no sign of it stopping. Um, but we're going to press pause today and next week as well, and then we'll just see what the Lord wants us to do. Um, but I, I, I want to share something with you. So this I said just a minute ago, has been, it's, it's, April will be 30 years of ministry for me. And I don't know that I have ever been in a season it, with, with the people of our church. I don't know that I've ever been in a season like this season. This is a very, very difficult, heavy, um, taxing season for the people of Covenant Life. Um, serious things are going on. In people's lives, we have four women who are fighting cancer. We have we have people who are are having marriage difficulties. We have people who are fearful that they're going to lose their jobs soon. We have people who are in in, in with other serious medical conditions. We have uh, just uh, we have people who've lost loved ones just unexpectedly. It's just really heavy. And, and it seems like every day I get another text, another email, another phone call. Of something, and it's not, Pastor. I stubbed my toe. Would you please put me on the prayer list? This is this is life-altering stuff that people are dealing with, and it's just it's just a heavy time. And we're heading into a holiday season. That if you are already struggling, if you are already experiencing loss and grief, it just makes it that much harder. And so, um, th- though my nature is to sort of put my head down and keep plowing. Um, this week I, I asked the Lord for a message of encouragement to you because I'm just, I just am so overwhelmed sometimes with what you're going through and just the heart of a pastor for you. I, I, I want you to walk away today encouraged. I want you to leave today to know, that, I know, I want you to know that you are, you're loved and that you're not alone. Okay, so if, if I can accomplish those two things today, then, uh, then, and then I will have counted that um, a win. So I asked the Lord for this, for, for a word of encouragement, and, and this is what he gave me. And I, and I struggled to figure out, it was this verse, but I struggled to discern what it was exactly that he wanted to say. And I, and I tried going in different directions, so, you know, I'm still a hot mess and I'm a work in progress. But I thank God finally... Uh, got it to me and and he got it to me so I'm going to try to let him get it through me today so this might be a little bit of a mess but I know I've got the right message okay so 
Psalm 46 and verse 1. This is the only verse we're reading from the King James 21st century version. It says this, God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that your word is applicable um, no matter what the season of our lives. That in the good times and in the bad, in the boring, in the exciting, in the excruciating, Lord, your word still stands, it's still truth. And God, I pray that today you would help us to, uh, to hear and understand and apply the word that you're sending to us today. I pray, God, that today people would not just hear your word, uh, but they would, they would feel your heart towards them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, I want to start with kind of the operative word. It's the last word in the verse, and that word is trouble. Trouble. I, I never thought I had any difficult any difficulty understanding what the word trouble means because it doesn't take long. You don't have to live very many years before you figure out what trouble is, right? So uh, trouble, for whatever reason, in, in preparation for this, I looked up what trouble means. And the, the, the word literally means tightness. It means tightness, all right? That's a pretty interesting description of trouble, Right? So what, what, is that, what does that mean? What, have you ever felt like the walls are closing in on you? You ever feel like uh, th- your options are getting limited? Like, yeah, I, I don't know. There, I, there's no other way forward. I'm not sure what else there, they, that we can do. You ever just feel pinched? You feel cornered? Things are getting tight. Things get tight sometimes in this life. The word also means adversity. Adversity. Adversity happens when you thought things, you were going in a good direction, you thought things were going well, and then suddenly the wind changed, the wind shifted, and, and, and now there's an adverse wind that, that it just makes everything harder. You thought everything was going well, and suddenly you realize you're up against this adversity. It means anguish. Anguish is what happens on the inside of you when you face this kind of difficulty, when, when it makes it hard to breathe, it makes it hard to think. You don't know, you don't know how, what you're going to do. The word means distress. Now, we all deal with stress. Life is, a, is just stressful, and, and that's not entirely a bad thing because str- there are some things that are good stresses. It's called eustress. Eustress is the, is the stress that happens in our lives that help us to get things done, to meet deadlines, to meet expectations, like to take a bath. That, that's, that's good stress. But then there's the other extreme. There's another ditch of stress when it gets out of control and it gets overwhelming. And, 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 and that's a ditch that you get in called distress. And that's some of the trouble that the word is talking about today too. It also means affliction. And for me, affliction is, is when it's just one thing after another. Like you can't seem to catch your breath and it's just, you get hit, you just get punched in the mouth. You feel like you're in the, you're in the ring with Evander Holyfield and he's mad, right? Or maybe better Mike Tyson, right? Because he's not only hitting you in the face, he's biting your ears off. 
Like, you just can't seem to win. That's trouble. That's what the Bible calls trouble. Any of y'all ever been in trouble? Right? There's trouble. There's trouble. It's like, so John, that that whole uh, word of encouragement thing, that hasn't happened yet. I just want to let you know. I know that. We're going to get in the word. Here we go, okay? Job 14. This is where it starts to get better, okay? Job 14 and 1. Job said, how frail is humanity? How short is life? How full of trouble? Uh, one translation says that, that man is of a few days, his life is short, and it's full of trouble. All right? Uh, John 16, verse 33, this is what Jesus said. He said, I've told you all this so that you can have peace because here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. What's that? In another translation, it says you're going to have trouble. You're going to have trouble. But take heart, Jesus said. Let's finish, the, let's finish the, the, the passage. Take heart because I've overcome the world, Jesus said. Now let's look at 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 10 and 13. The temptations in your life, the temptations, the trials, the, tribu- the tribulations, the trouble in your life. Please pay attention to this one sentence. They're no different from what other people experience. You realize that you ain't the only one that's in trouble? <laughs> you realize that you're not the only one who's going through something? That, that makes a difference, y'all. It makes a difference because when you're in trouble, you feel like you're the only one in trouble. Right? The, the word of the Lord is what you're going through is no different from what other people experience. And let's finish this this passage as well. And God is faithful. Listen, when you're in trouble, you need to be reminded of the faithfulness of God. He's not going to allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, he'll show you a way out so that you can endure. You know, so, John, what's the, that, that sounds like more trouble. just means everybody's in trouble. How's that encouraging? It's encouraging in, in this way. I want you to understand that trouble doesn't mean you're sinful it just means you're human. Trouble doesn't mean you're sinful. It just means you're human. All right? So don't get under condemnation. Don't just start, well, I'm in trouble and I just must be the worst thing in the world. I must be just a rank sinner. It's just awful. You're just human. Jesus said you're just, he didn't say you sinful people are going to have trouble in your life and you righteous people it's going to be good. He said in this world, you're going to have trouble. So the fact that you're breathing is a risk factor for trouble. As long as you're human, there's going to be opportunity and occasion for trouble. So uh, it doesn't mean that you're sinning. It doesn't mean that you've done something wrong. My niece, 12 years ago or so, uh, she was six, seven months pregnant, and she was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And the treatment for the tumor what was good for the tumor was not going to be good for the baby. And she had a, 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 I'll never forget the phone call, trying to figure out what, what do I do? And do you know that some genius Christians told her that she was a sinner? That the only reason, the only reason that you would have brain tumors is because you, you did something wrong. You better find out what you did wrong, risking your babies. I mean, all this kind of crazy mess. All the, we enthrone ourselves way too often, don't we? And we sit on this throne of judgment. And it's really easy to point out everybody else's flaws, even if we have to make them up. They told that baby that she had a brain tumor because she was a sinner. 
No, she had trouble because she was a human. It's a broken world. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. And so I, I want you to be encouraged today that you're not the only one who's going through this. You're not the only one who's having trouble. All right? Now, what do you do when you're in trouble? Or maybe more specifically, what do you need when you're in trouble? You need help. When you're in trouble, you need help. And that's what this verse says, that God is a very present help when you're in trouble. If there's anything you need when things get tight, it's, it's help to get out of the tight spot. Now, we can, learn, we can turn to a lot of people. We can turn to our brothers and sisters when we're in times of trouble. And what would we do without our brothers and sisters, right? The, the word says to bear each other's burdens. This is the way Proverbs 17 and 17 says it. A friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in times of need. Because we're all going to have a time of need. And that's what our brothers, our sisters are supposed to do. Sometimes that brother is a biological one, that brother or sister. Sometimes it's an adopted one. Sometimes it's a spiritual brother or sister. Sometimes it's a friend who, who is like a brother or sister. Listen, when you're in trouble, the people who are not your friend, who are not loyal, they disappear. You find out who your friends are when you're in trouble who your real friends are. And that's good. And we need our friends. But there are some times, there are some situations that you find yourself in that people can't really help you. You need help, but it ain't the kind of help that people can give. Sometimes they can offer their support, but they can't offer you help. The good news is, and please listen to this and believe this. The good news is no matter what kind of trouble you find yourself in, you will never find yourself in a situation that's too hard for God to help you. It's just not that situation doesn't exist. I know it feels like the, the, the wall that you're running into is, is so high that you can never get uh, over it or under it or through it or around it. But God, but God, I want to show you a few of these but God scriptures, right? Jeremiah 32, let's, let's look at the Lord said, I am the Lord, the God of all the people of this world. Is anything too hard for me? The Lord said. And listen, he wasn't asking because he didn't know the answer. It's a rhetorical question. He's proving a point. And the point is there is nothing too hard for our God. He does not get intimidated. He is never confused. He's never surprised. Let's look at Matthew 19, verse 26. Jesus looked at them intently and said, Humanly speaking, it's impossible but with God, everything is possible. Everything is possible. He, he doesn't have to take options off the table because he doesn't have the power or the, or the authority or the resources. That never happens to him. Look at Isaiah 41. 
Isaiah 41 and 10. The Lord said, don't be afraid. I'm with you. Don't be discouraged. I'm your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. God is God. There's nobody else like him. He's never intimidated. He's never powerless. There is no situation. There is no trouble that you will ever find yourself in that God is not able to help you. He's able to help you. So it only makes sense that in times of trouble, you would turn to God. Here's the problem. What's on the inside of us, I guess in our sin nature, is the opposite of that. When we get in trouble, when I've been in trouble, I sort of automatically start to withdraw. Y'all do that? You start to hide. You go into a cave emotionally or spiritually. And you start to separate yourself from the one person who could actually do something about it. And that's the Lord. He is help. He's help. But the enemy is going to do everything the enemy can do to keep us from getting to our help. He'll use every trick in the book. He'll use shame. He'll try to make you ashamed that you're even asking for help. He's going to bring up everything you've ever done and he's going to tell you you don't deserve to ask God for help. After all you've done, he's not going to help you. He don't even want to see you. He don't want to hear from you. And that's simply a lie. And you know the devil's lying when his lips start moving. Because he is a liar and the father of lies. He don't, I, I got a spirit of bad grammar on me today, but he don't do nothing but lie. Okay? So he's going to use shame to keep you from getting to the Lord. He's going to use guilt in the same way. He's going to use doubt. He's going to tell you that God, God can't even help you out of the trouble you're in. He's going to sow those seeds of doubt inside of you to prevent you from going. He's going to sow fear inside of you. What if God doesn't help me? What if, what if God doesn't do what I want him to do? What if God can't? What if God won't? What if, all of those things. What if he won't receive me? What if I really have gone too far? What if I really have done too much this time? He'll, do, he'll use hopelessness where, where you can't even muster the strength. You don't have enough hope in the power of God, in the love of God, in the goodness of God to even ask. You're just like, I'm just done. I'm done. After eight weeks, you should expect that he would also use pride, right? Pride. Pride that I'm not, I'm not going, after all I've done, I'm not going to God and asking him for help because I don't deserve it. That's pride. Like somehow you're the worst sinner that's ever, that's ever sinned and that God is just not, of all the people in the world, God's going to refuse to help you. Come on, man. That, that's pride. It's pride. The other side of pride is I got this. I'm not going to worry God with it because I got this. Well, congratulations on your promotion to assistant God. What you mean? You got this. You ain't going to bother God with it. He's, he, he, it's not like you're going to overwhelm him. Like God's not on the throne fretting, having an anxiety attack. Going, if somebody says one more thing, that God doesn't, that, that's not God. That's us. right? He does not need us to help him. So when we pray, we, we don't need to suggest anything 
either. Y'all do that? Y'all do them spiritual suggestion sessions? We're like, Lord, if you could do this, and if you'd do it this way, and if you'd do it by then, and that would be great. I'd appreciate it. If you could get on that like right now, because I need that done. He ain't your personal assistant. He has a will. He has a plan. He has a time. He loves you, but he's going to do it his way because he's God. We've got to get our pride out of the way. Even when we do come to him, we've got to get pride out of the way. Listen, the enemy will use every trick in the book to keep you from coming to the Lord. I'm going to say it again. To the one person who can actually do something about the trouble that you're in. He wants to help. It's God's nature to help us. It's his nature. It's actually in his name to help us. I want to show you some some scripture. Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13 and 6. It says, so we can say this with confidence. The Lord is my helper. The Lord is our helper. Oh, God doesn't want to help me. It says right there he does. The Lord's my helper. So I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Look at 1 John, verse two and, and verse, chapter 2, verse 1. Dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate. I actually like to capitalize that word advocate because it's one of his names. Who pleads our case before the Father. You're like, who in the world is that? It's Jesus, the one who is truly Righteous. Listen, you're like, I'm not going to God because I did this to myself. I sinned. I know I sinned. I know I got myself in trouble. And listen, sometimes you make enough bad choices, you're going to get yourself in trouble, aren't you? Right? Sometimes our wounds are self-inflicted. Our trouble is what is the wages of our sin. But listen, he still wants to help. He said, if you do sin, don't ever talk to me again. Is that what he said? He said, if you do sin, then I've already lined up a defense attorney for you, and his name is Jesus. He is legal, spiritual counsel for us. He pleads our case before the Father. He goes to the throne on my behalf. He says, Father, John screwed up again, but I died for him. He's, he's one of ours. He belongs to us. He's come repenting, so I'm just telling you, put it on my tab. Just charge it to my blood and forgive him and restore the relationship and help him, help him out of the mess he's made. Look at John 14. So the Father's a helper. Jesus is our advocate. John 14 and 16, Jesus said, I'm going to ask the Father who is is a helper, and he'll give you another advocate. So Jesus is also an advocate. He's going to give you another advocate advocate who will never leave you who's he talking about the holy spirit the holy spirit it's the same word in john 14 as it is in first john 2 it's the word the greek word paraclete it is the it's it's it means helper he's he's an advocate that passage also says that the holy spirit is our counselor not in the not in the sense of he's a therapist but in the sense that he is our legal representation you call attorneys counselor sometimes it says he's our comforter 
All of that is wrapped up in the person of the Godhead, in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you're going through something, the Holy Spirit wants to be your best friend. He wants to be a friend who sticks closer than a brother. He will help you through your trouble. He's a helper. He's a helper. Do you doubt that God wants to help you? Let me show it to you again. It's literally his name. One of the names of God in the Old Testament is Jehovah Jireh. God is our provider. Well, what's he, what's he provide? Help. He provides help. You say, well, I thought that was just about supplying our needs, supplying our, our monetary needs. Listen, if you need help, that's what he's got. That's, what he, that's who he is. He supplies He provides. It says he's the Lord of hosts. He's the God of heaven's army. He's the God of heaven's army. Listen, why has he got got an army if he's not prepared to dispatch them on behalf of the people who love and serve him? Why in the world you got an army and they don't ever fight? They do fight. And they fight on our behalf. And the Father dispatches them in response to our prayers of faith. That's why the psalmist said, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. And the righteous, those in right relationship with him through Jesus, can run to him and be safe. You can be safe. Listen, if you're in trouble this morning, run to him because he is help in times of trouble. Now, what kind of, what kind of help does he give? What kind of help? Does he give? Well, the rest of this verse describes the kind of help that he provides to us in trouble. And the first thing says that God is our refuge. What's a refuge? A refuge is not just a church in Talapusa. The refuge is, is a place to hide. It's a place to hide. You, you seek refuge from a storm. See, there are some storms that are like tornadoes, right? They just blow in, blow up, blow out, they're gone. It takes like 12 seconds. It doesn't mean they're not destructive, but they don't last very long. And then some are more like hurricanes, right? They set in. It takes them hours to plow through your life. And then you might get a little break, but as soon as that break's over, it's going to come back stronger and in a different direction as if you didn't already have enough to deal with, right? And it just, it just grinds on your endurance. And, and, and so we need a refuge sometimes. We run to that shelter. Now, what happens in a shelter is it does, the shelter does not stop the storm. The ref, just because you're in a refuge does not mean that suddenly the storm stops. That'd be cool, right? That's just not how that works. But it gives you a break from the trouble. It gives you a break from the storm. You're like, John, that sounds really good. I need a break from the trouble. God is our break. He's our refuge. But what does that mean? How, how do I get a break from the storm? For me, is worship. How do you hide yourself in the Lord? It, you get into his presence. And when you get in his presence, he covers you. He surrounds you. And then nothing going to penetrate the force field, if you will, of God's presence. He's, he's, he's not going to let anything get to you. You're in his presence worshiping him. He's not going to let anything get to you. He's going to give you a break, a refuge from the storm. So listen, when, when, you, 
when you come in here, that's why I'm, I'm almost 10 years now, I've been, I've been telling y'all, this is, this is real life. This is serious. What we do in here affects the rest of our lives. So when it's time to worship, it's not just time to shove your hands in your pockets and wait for Corey and them to quit singing. This is your refuge. It's your refuge. When you get into the presence of God, when you worship him, you get your mind and your eyes off of yourself and onto the one who is your help in times of trouble, who is your refuge in that moment. And for 30 minutes or 45 minutes or an hour or whatever and wherever you are, then you can get a break from the storm. When I went through the worst times of my life, and you've heard me talk about this, I was the worship leader for the church. I couldn't not worship because it was my only job at that point. Now, I could have gone through the motions, but in those moments, for integrity's sake, I had to actually worship God in the worst part of my life. But during those moments, I hated to leave the church. I hated to leave the service because I knew I was going to walk right back out into the storm. But while I was there, he was a refuge for me. The only way I was sane at the end of that season of my life was because of the time I spent in the refuge. So don't take for granted the chance we have every week to come in here and worship or the chance that you might have to carve out some time wherever you live, wherever you are, to just hide yourself in him. Now, he says he's a refuge. He also says he's, he's your strength. Because at some point, you've got to come out of the refuge. And when you come out of the refuge, the storm is still raging. What happens in the refuge prepares you, gives you the strength to face the storm for the rest of its duration. When you leave the refuge, you have to face the battle again. But he is your strength, just like he is your refuge. So you may have staggered into the refuge under the fading fumes of your own strength, but you can walk out of the refuge with the inexhaustible strength of God through the Holy Spirit. He, the, the word says if you wait on the Lord, where do you wait? In the refuge, you wait on the Lord, he'll renew your strength. So he'll give you the strength to walk another mile or another two miles or sometimes just another step. He will give it to you in the refuge, in worship, in obedience to what he's already told you. Because listen, this is not a walk of feeling. It's a walk of faith, right? There are times when we, the things that we do in our walk with the Lord, we feel all the way down to our bones, And there are other times when we feel nothing. But we're still, those are still the things that we are called to do, whether they change how we feel or not. And so if you, when when you want strength, when you need strength, you find that strength, you find that refuge in your obedience to doing what God has already told you, you have to do, that you're supposed to do. So don't, when you're in trouble, don't back up. He is our refuge and our strength. He is our help. Go to him and find the strength that you need. You, so don't stop reading your word. Don't stop praying. Don't, you, you say, but I'm mad at him. Be mad. Pray mad. Pray mad. 
You ever, you ever seen your little kid, like a little third, three-year-old, mad at you, but he's still talking, like through little clenched teeth? And you're just like, you're just so cute. And he's just fussing you out, and you just can't stop thinking how cute he is. God is not intimidated by our, our temper tantrums. He's just glad we're there. He's just glad. Aren't you glad God don't just look at you and go, you're so cute when you're going through stuff? He just wants you there. Keep doing what you know to do. Keep putting one foot in front of the other and doing what he told you to do. He will give you the strength. Now, two more words. What kind of help is the Lord? He's our refuge. He's our strength. He's, he's a present help. He's, he's a present help. I, I have been through, all of us have. We've all been through stuff in our lives. And, and how do we feel? It leaves us hopeless. Sometimes it leaves us feeling helpless, feeling devastated. Sometimes it leaves us bewildered, leaves us desperate. All of the, you name it, we feel all the emotions, sometimes all at one time. And I'll tell you something that makes a huge difference in the midst of trouble, and that is knowing you're not alone. Knowing you're not alone. There is something called the ministry of presence. And it's one of the most underrated. Matter of fact, you may have never even heard it called that before. But if you have the willingness, everybody has the ability. So there's no, there's no exit clause here. We all have the ability to go and just be with somebody in the midst of their trouble. Just let them know they're not alone. A lot of people don't, don't like to go to funeral homes anymore um, because they're like, I don't know what to say. Listen to me. When you're standing at the casket or the urn, there is nothing that you or anybody else is going to say to make that person feel better. So just take yourself off the hook. There's no magic words. You ever seen anybody? That somebody came and visited and said something to them and they turned from, joy, from sorrow to joy and just went dancing out of the funeral home? No, because that's just weird. The, your presence is what's needed in that moment. You're not going to change the loss. You're not going to change the grief. You're not going to change the diagnosis. You're not going to change the, the situation. But knowing that they're not doing it and facing it alone is, is, is huge. It's huge. We, we like to beat up on Job's friends, the three friends who came and, and were talking to him. But the first, the first week... They got it right. They nailed it. You know what they did before they started talking? They started talking and ruined everything. The first week, they came and sat down beside Job in sackcloth and ashes and just hung out with him. They didn't say a word. You know what they were communicating to Job in that moment? Buddy, we got you. We're with you in this. I know you're hurting. I know you're scared. I know you're upset. I know you're devastated. I know you're grieving. But I just want you to know we're right beside you. If you don't know what to say, if there are no words to say, just tell them. I don't know what the road looks like, but you're not going to walk it by yourself. There have been people call me with, with devastating news. And listen, I got, I got no magic words. There, there's no, there, pastors don't get a book of magic words. 
That's not how this works. People are, are devastated and they contact me. And there are times that I've just said, man, this stinks. And I'm sorry. And I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm walking through this with you. That's all I got. Because there's nothing I can say that's going to change it. There is something about present help that makes a difference. The presence of a person makes a difference. Because sometimes you got, you got something, sometimes things go on, and you, you might call your buddy in, in, in California. That's fine. Sometimes you need somebody here that can be present with you in this. But humans are limited. We're limited by space and time, right? We can only be in so many places at one time. Um, God's not limited that way. God is present in a way that no human could ever be. He is present help in our times of trouble. And, 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 and here's the last word, and this is the word that has um, just been like pulsating in my brain all week. It's the one that, that, that when this verse came to mind, it's the one that stood out, and it's very. It says, the Lord is our refuge and strength. He's a very present help in trouble. And then listen, y'all, how do you be very present? Like you either there or you ain't there. How you like extra there? How do you be very present? I didn't get that, but I knew something had to be there and I just, it just kept on. So I, I finally looked it up to find out I looked up very I thought I had a handle on very. I, I did not have a handle on very. It, 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 it me, it, and I, what I've discovered is it, it is far too ordinary a word to convey all the nuances that the original language was trying to communicate. Okay? So it, it means a lot of things. The kind of presence that God provides goes well beyond very. Okay, it is an extraordinary presence. It is it's different. Now, let me just tell you what, what very actually means, and let's put that into the verse, okay? So it's, it means he, it's diligent, it's diligently. It is describing how present he is. He's diligently present. That means that was intentional. When you're diligent about something, you're making decisions, he, God is diligently present. He decided in the midst of your trouble to show up. He made the decision to come after you, to come find you, and to be there with you in the midst of your trouble. That's how you can be more than just there. Like he decided to be there, and God don't have to do anything. Amen. He is a very present Help. It's, it means exceedingly. Like he's present. He's exceedingly present. It means he lets you know he's there in ways that maybe you wouldn't have noticed otherwise. He don't just slide up beside you. Like y'all ever heard of God moments? you just like, okay, wait, something's going on here. Like God just showed up. Well, God's been there the whole time. He just let you know, I am not just present. I am exceedingly present. I am very, very present. He, it means mightily present. 
Listen, I'm really excited about this. He is mightily present help in trouble. Do you know there is no diet version of God? There's no caffeine free. There's no sugar free. Like when God shows up, it's, it's him in his fullness. There's no, there's no light version. There's no caffeine free version. He shows up fully powered, fully flavored, full. Uh, he, he's, he's full. He's, he's the fullness of God shows up. He is very mightily present in your trouble. He shows up ready to do something to help you. So it's not like God is there and says, hey, what do you need? And you tell him, he goes, oh, shoot. I left that back in heaven. I'm just slap out of that. I'm sorry. hmm, Really stinks, but I don't know what to do. That's never a thing for him. He is mightily present. He's quickly, it means quickly, present. You may have your best friend who is the best thing in the world, but they live 10 minutes away. There have been moments in my life I wasn't sure I was going to make it 10 more minutes. There's some kinds of trouble you get yourself in. You need help. You need present help right now. And you don't have time to call somebody. The Lord is a refuge and a strength and present and it's instant. Like before you get the second syllable of Jesus out, he's there. And with all the things that we just talked about, with the, his, his exceeding presence, his, his mighty presence, his diligent presence, it's all there in an instant, and you don't have to wait on anybody else. It's a supernatural presence that is not bound by space or time. It is extraordinary. It, other people may be there, but there ain't nobody there like Jesus is there. And that's the good news. It is a divine presence. I heard somebody talking on the radio the other day, and and I think it was I think it was Carmen on ninety three point three. I think she said, um, she said I almost not 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 quite, but I almost miss the times of trouble in my life because there is such a manifested presence of God that He is such present help. That even in those times when everything feels like it's falling apart, God is with you in such a way that you miss it when, he's, when it's not there. It's an abiding, intimate presence of God. He is a very present help in trouble. When he shows up, what else is in his presence? In his presence is the fullness of joy. In his presence is a peace that passes understanding. In his presence is every aspect of his divinity. That's what makes it extraordinary. That's what makes it supernatural. And guess what? His, his, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invent, I've already murdered one language, I'm going to invent a new one. His veriness, his veriness is, is part of his name. Is part of it's how you define it's how he defines himself. Nobody defines God. It's how he defines himself, and it's part of his promises. 
I want to show you some, I want to show you some verses that I, that, I, that I hope are encouraging to you. We, when we talk about vision and mission of our church, I, I read this passage to you by starting in verse 18. We're not going to go to the Great Commission where it says, go to the, all the world, preach the gospel. I want to read verse 20 where it says, teach the new disciples to obey all the commands I've given and be sure of this. So Jesus is calling attention to it. He's like stopping them in the midst of it. He says, hey, 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 I just want to tell you this. I am with you always. He is very present, always. I want to read Psalm 23. Psalm 23, we did this as part of the, I don't remember, was it the I Can't series or something, whatever it was. Um, and, and somebody said, I've never, I've never heard that preached for the living. We always read Psalm 23 when somebody dies. Psalm 23, you, I can't say it like that. Psalm 23 is for the living. Shepherds are for the living. Okay? Um, so I want to read this to you. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. All those verbs in those first the three verses, th- those are all verbs of presence. You can't lead. You can't guide. You can't renew. You can't do any of that from, from, uh, from Zoom. Right? you got to be there. He is present. Our shepherd, our good shepherd is very present. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to be afraid. Why? Because he's present. You are very close beside me, it says. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. He didn't just order food and send it to you. He prepares the feast himself because he's there. He didn't send you a bottle of oil with directions. He said he's the one who's anointing your head with oil. Your cup overflows with blessings in the presence of your enemies. Do you see that? His presence doesn't mean your enemies are going to run away. He's just like, I got you, man. Yeah, I see the storm. I see the enemies. I see all this hubbub. I'm just telling you, I'm here. And you're going to eat, and you're going to be anointed, and you're going to have everything that you need. You're going to find rest in the refuge. You're going to find peace. Everything's going to be fine. Yeah, I know about the valley of the shadow of death, but if I lead you into it, I'm going to lead you out of it. You're never going to be by yourself. My veriness demands that I'm always with you. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He doesn't, I told you he doesn't show up empty handed. There's goodness, there's mercy who are chasing you down. Tackling you with the goodness of God. Here's, here's Ezekiel 48 reveals a name of God that we don't talk about very much. I think it's the only place in the Bible that, that it's revealed. But it's Jehovah Shammah. That means the Lord is here. The Lord is here. It's not a geographical place. It's not a geographical place, and I'll show you that why in a minute. We're entering the Christmas season. We're going to sing this song at some point in the next, in the next month. Emmanuel. What does it mean? God is with us. He's present. Here's John 14 and 17. This is why we can say God is here. 
Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit. He said, the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. The world can't receive him because it's not looking for him. Uh, It doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now in the Spirit of Jesus. And he'll be in you later. That's the Holy Spirit. He's, that's why God can be here and it's not tied to a geographical location because if you're a child of the, of the king anywhere you go he's there he's there y'all stand with me please say John this, this was really long this morning I don't know why you preached so long I don't know either God's broke. He, he's, he, he is breaking my preaching. So I don't know what's happening in the future. I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to do my best to show up in this place prepared with what the Lord said to say. Okay? If it takes 10 minutes or an hour, I, 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 I don't know what to tell you. Take it up with the boss. All right? I know you enough to know that many of you are in seasons of trouble. I want you to know today, God is your refuge and your strength and he is very present in your time of trouble you are loved and you are not alone we're going they're going to sing something this altar is open if you will if you will just um, respect what the holy spirit's doing in this place right now If you don't have to leave for an emergency, please give us five minutes to go through this song and to give people a chance to come to the altar. We'll be dismissed together in just a few minutes. But let the Lord minister to those who are in times of trouble right now. If you'd like to come to this altar, you come home. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your word, and I pray, Lord, that you would do whatever it is that you need to do in people's lives. There's all kinds of trouble, but you've got all kinds of solutions. And I just pray, Lord, that we humble ourselves before you and we hear what you're saying and we find the path that leads us to a way of escape. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.